This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Matt Addison with Ian Doyle, Paul Gorst and David Lynch alongside me. We're going to be looking ahead to Liverpool's game against Manchester United on Sunday afternoon at Anfield. Is it the biggest game of the season so far? Quite possibly. We'll go in-depth in our preview today looking at the key men, the latest injury news, all the latest from Jurgen Klopp as well. And of course, we will pick our teams and make our team or match predictions, I should say, later on in the show. Ian, I've made a right mess of that introduction, have, so I will yeah. pass over to you as quickly <laughs> as I possibly can. <laughs> Glad nobody what, noticed that. What, what do you want me to say? Uh, I, I'll tell you what I will do. Let, let's welcome, let's welcome Mr. Lynch. Nice to, his, is it his first appearance on the Blood Red podcast or not? I don't know. No, it is not. He's, he's been no, on a not. couple of times, haven't you, Lynch? No, I've been, I've been stuffed in for you a few times, though. Yeah. The level of insight went up through the room. <laughs> not really. No. Well, it, it's saying it's a big game and it, it's nice to get the view from Greater Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dooley, I was going to begin with you in terms of the, the magnitude of the game and, and how important it feels. I mean, it's a, a slightly different question, but I mean, normally... For these sorts of games, you'd be going down to, to Kirby, as it now is, to see Jurgen Klopp. There would be fans inside Anfield. It it sort of doesn't feel as big a, as what it might do at, at other times. But you know, has that sort of tempered any of the, the excitement that you have for the game this weekend? Well, not really, because I'd never have any excitement for this game. Or about, or about any game. Any uh, game. No, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, yeah, I get your point. I mean, in terms of whether it's the biggest game of the season, I suppose with its, you know, it's first against second and I'm... I don't know every single game that's happened this season, but I can't imagine there's been many fixtures that's that's seen that. Well, actually, Liverpool Tottenham was one, wasn't it? That was first against second. So, I suppose, it, yeah, it is. It is the biggest game of the season. It's at any time of a campaign. Liverpool against Manchester United is a is a big deal. Personally speaking, I still think the Everton game is the bigger one for me. But you know, that's probably just my age rather than anything else. Um, but yeah, United will be coming to Anfield, and with you know, as you've said, no fans, no. You know, none of the hoopla around it that we normally have, certainly in terms of going to a press conference, they'll be fancying the chances. It certainly still sort of feels like one of the bigger games, even if it's you know not as big as it, it might have been, Gorsty. As, as we say, there are things that have changed this season, but it is still a, a game which is going to mean a lot come the end of the season and certainly will mean a lot on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it, it hasn't always felt... I mean, it, sorry, excuse me. It, it's always felt like the biggest game in the country, and it is, isn't it? It's the two most su- successful clubs going out of head to head. The two biggest clubs, the two clubs with the biggest fan bases worldwide. Um, and no matter where they are in the league, um, it's always been the case. But I just think there's a little bit more riding on it this weekend because it is first against second, as, as Doily says. It's um, it, it's a massive. I don't think it's. I don't think we're going to be given any great insight into what this uh, what this game means for Liverpool and and if they win it, you know. What does that prove? Liverpool are obviously in incredible form at Anfield, and they have been for the best part of coming up to four years now. It's nearly four years since he last lost at Crystal Palace in April 2017. So if Liverpool win this one, it's kind of yeah, okay, fair enough. They're still the team to beat. They're still the top dogs, and and whatever else. But I think it gives us a, a massive insight into how serious this United challenge is. You know, um, I've seen them quite a lot, and. You never play particularly well. They always seem to scrape by and just about do enough to come away from the game with a win. But this is a team we've lost quite comfortably at home to Crystal Palace this season against Arsenal uh, and against Tottenham. They were absolutely beaten out of sight 6-1, was it? 
So um, I think this now is, is uh, they've played all the other four teams in, in the so-called Big Six, and this is probably the toughest one of the lot coming to Anfield, which is probably the toughest away day for any team in, in Europe. And we're going to get a massive kind of uh, pointer as to how serious they are over the next you know, 17 or 18 games. So from that point of view, it's, um, it's a huge game. But Liverpool v Man U, whether, you know, the sixth and seventh in the league or, you know, middle of the table, it's always the biggest game in, in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, Lynch, it's one of those games, isn't it, that almost takes care of itself. The players this week will have been building up to it. And as much as it's not the same as it would normally be, there's still you know, very much a feeling from, from both sides that they really need to win this one. And I suppose it, it's just, a, as I say, a game where the magnitude of it is almost taking over from, from anything else going into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, that, like you say, in terms of motivation, I don't think the players will need any extra sort of geeing up this week. And we all know how, how big it is. And I think, you know, just the, the state of play at the moment, you know, for United, I think, you know, their fans, you can you can see across social media. And if you speak to any any United fans, they're sort of, even they're slightly sceptical about their sort of title chances this season. I think, you know, obviously everyone's getting excited about the position, but, you know, you, do, you don't really believe it. So you maybe get that big result, which, which this would be at Anfield for them. Um, so, you know, it's, it's huge from their perspective to sort of cement themselves as, as, as genuine title contenders. I think even if they get a point, that would be considered, a, a, you know, a huge result really to, to keep the, the table as it is and keep themselves ahead of Liverpool. And also just to show they've got credentials and they can get these big six results that, you, you know, you do need a few of those along the way. So it's huge for them. And, and from the Liverpool perspective, obviously, you know, coming into it on that that little run, I don't think anyone was questioning the title credentials after that seven 0 win at Crystal Palace that you know takes them top of the table for Christmas. But it's just a little bit of seed of doubt's been sown, hasn't there, in this uh, this horrible little run they've been on recently. So I think it, you know that that has made it even bigger from Liverpool's perspective. They really need to sort of put United in the place, so to speak, and and come out with a big result that will you know pop them back up to the top of the table. And I think. Alongside that, would just restore a lot of confidence that, that maybe has been knocked in this this little run they've been on. So yeah, it's as it's as big as Liverpool United game as we've we've had for a long time because these these sides don't tend to challenge the title in the same season either, did he? So um, it's a really interesting one. Yeah, it certainly is going to be interesting. In I mean, we're only seventeen matches into this Premier League season for Liverpool. Their seventeenth match of last season was against Watford. That was in the middle of December. Have we almost been lured into a, a false sort of position in this Premier League table at this moment in time? Do you think this game is almost feeling a little bit bigger in the wider scheme of things than, than maybe it almost should be? Well, some people might have been lured, but I've not. I mean, I've been banging on for anyone who's, who knows me. I've been banging on for ages. There's five games in May. I've said this loads of times. There's, there's five Premier League games in May. That that There's going to be 15 points up for grabs by, by the time we get to the point of the season where normally it's all done and dusted. So... I think, yeah, people are losing sight of that. But you also can't ignore the fact that, you know, 17 games is still quite a lot. That's almost half the season. And Manchester United are three points clear. I'm pretty sure if if Liverpool were three points clear, Liverpool fans would be making a big deal of it. So I'm not entirely... I don't believe United fans were there saying, well, we don't really believe we can win the league. You know, I've been saying all season that they've got a great chance for reasons that we've we've discussed many a time on this podcast. The size of the squad, the fact they haven't got the injuries, the fact everybody else seems to have got, you know, massive injuries... The fact that teams aren't pressing as hard because the, the, you know, the condensed fixture programme means that they can't really go out of hell for leather like they normally would do. And that's kind of all played into Manchester United's hands because they play a, a certain type of game which I think economy of economy of effort is a very nice way of putting it. You look at 
someone like Bruno Fernandes, who I obviously don't think is world class. I know that Lynchy doesn't agree with me on that one. Um, but I, uh, you know, yeah, he gets the numbers. But, you know, it's the old thing. It's like, what does he do other than score all those goals and set up all those goals? You know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 but there is, there is actually a bit, of, a bit of truth to that. You know, that's the way Manchester United play. That's why probably why Liverpool didn't sign him. I know it was about 18 months ago they were linked with him and that they, they well they played him over in uh I'm trying to remember where it was Boston, I think it was where they played Sportingism. It was either that or New York. They played him in one of those two. And uh you know he had an okay game. He maybe even scored, I can't even remember to be honest. Um but you know, Liverpool weren't didn't didn't go for him then. You know, even United didn't go for him then, it was another six months, wasn't it? So yeah, going back to the, the fact that we are 17 games in, it's still it's we can't I saw Jason McAtee said something interesting where he said United were in a false position. I mean, they're not in the sense that that's exactly where they deserve to be given what's happened so far this season. But he did make the very good points that Gorsley made then as well, is that whenever United have played anybody good, we haven't won. You know, they got beat by Tottenham, got beat by Arsenal, drew with Chelsea, drew with City, lost to City. And even when they then, and drew at Leicester, and even when they then did in the Champions League, beat uh, Leipzig and beat PSG to go, was it six points clear or something, or three points clear in the table that they, they ended up losing to them both in the end and ultimately going out. So in that sense, Liverpool would be looking to just continue that, you know, continue that United, because if United do win this one, they, that's probably the moment that they'll, certainly the fans, I think the players already think it, the fans will start thinking, we've got a great chance of winning this because there'll be six points clear of Liverpool. And, you know, even at this stage of the season, that's that's difficult to to make up when you one of your games is, is going to be against United away from home back down in May? Yeah, it's not going to be decisive or anything in terms of the title race, Gorsty, but is it almost not quite decisive, but, but very important in terms of shaping the narrative going forward? As Ian says, if United were to lose, would that maybe knock their confidence? Is, is that almost more important than the sort of positions in the table at this moment in time? Yeah, I think so. And I think you can't discount Manchester City either because I think I've said for a long time, if, if you finish above them this season, then, then you'll go on and win the league. I still think that to be the case. And I still think Liverpool will will finish on top this season with, with City second. And, and at the moment, you have to say that United probably third favourite. So, um, yeah, I, I can see what you mean there. But I just think it's, um, it's, just, it's just such a massive game for, for United, isn't it? Because we know what Liverpool are, are going to be doing. We know that Liverpool are... So good at Anfield, you know, regardless of what the team is, Liverpool beat Tottenham at Anfield what, a month ago with Rich Williams at, at centre back, and and um, is, that could quite possibly be the uh, the situation again on Sunday. But um, I think they've just shown over such a, a huge period of time that um, they are the the team to beat, and, and particularly at home. So this is um, a huge test of character for United. Uh, I think. Um, I think Solskjaer will be happy to, to kind of sit in and, and break on the counter-attack, as, as does seem to be the case, particularly when they're away from home. They've got such pace, having the up front with the likes of Martial and, and Rashford in particular. Um, they've also got Greenwood, who can do a, a similar job off the bench if they need to try and stretch Liverpool's defence on the counter-attack. But the onus is is on Liverpool, and, and the last few weeks, um, they haven't really been able to to do anything with that. Um, so once again, Liverpool will be expected to dominate possession, but we need to see them a lot sharper than they have been in games against West Brom, Newcastle and, and Southampton. We've seen sort of cagey affairs between these two teams in the relatively recent past, David, but I think it's really hard to sort of predict exactly how Manchester United will play this one. I think a, a draw for them is a really good result. They have sat in and, and countered in the past, but just how defensive do you think they might be and, and how do you think this game tactically could sort of set itself up? 
Uh, to be honest, I, I, my my feeling is that I think it's it is clear how United will set up in the sense that I think I think their job is done for them in, in the sense that they're coming to Anfield. You know, you know, even typically, you know, even a great United side wouldn't expect to come to Anfield and completely dominate possession. It's you know Liverpool's record down the years there has been so good. Um, and obviously, this Liverpool side in recent history has proven itself to to be the superior team. So I think that sets it up really, and, and, and sort of plays into United's hands a little bit that they can play exactly how they prefer to play, which is which is on the break and, and sit in deep and try and frustrate, and then and then use all that pace and quality they've got on the counter, which you know we've seen that be effective a number of times this season, and also from Liverpool's perspective, I think they might be slightly concerned about that on the basis that. I don't think they fared particularly well when they came up against, you know, one of the great attacking uh, counter-attacking sides in the league in Tottenham in terms of, you know, they had a lot of the ball. They won that game. They, they had a lot of the ball, but they also gave up quite a lot of chances on the break when that was the one thing they were looking to, to try and avoid doing. Um, so I think, you know, I think that sets, sets things up for United perfectly. They know exactly what the job is. They know how they're going to play this game. Uh, for Liverpool, it is, as Gorsley sort of alluded to there, really, is, They've got to be better at doing what they do, and, and that is, you know, dominating possession and, and keeping United pending, stopping that first pass out on the break, and, and then making the most of the chances that they get when when they come their way. And I think they've struggled against sort of deep block defenses, haven't they, in this little run? And they've got to prove that they've, you know, got over at that. That this sort of nine days off that they've had, they've, they've used it to sort of iron out those creases a little bit, and and have found a solution to to what United, the the, the challenge that United are going to pose. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Liverpool then, Ian, and the press conference specifically that took place earlier this afternoon. We know now that Joel Matip is close, according to Jurgen Klopp, but certainly not um, a certainty to, to take part in this game. Yeah, he's probably he's probably as close as I am, to be honest. I'd be amazed if, if Joel Matip plays. I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to the, the team selection in a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, what was the question again? Sorry. <laughs> Just in terms of <laughs> in terms of Joel Matip, he probably, as you say, probably not going to be involved. What does that mean for, for Liverpool? How might they set up if he is well, not there, for example? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go down the road of the team selection because we'll ruin it for a bit later on. But you know, it would it would be let's put it this way: turn it round. It would be a massive bonus if Joel Matip's fit because then you could argue that Liverpool could feel the team, you know, on form that. You know, Gomez and Matip, you've got to bear in mind at the start of the season, Gomez wasn't particularly great. And when Matip came in, he was actually doing quite well. So you could say he would have deserved to play some merit. So they're only, they could end up only being one player away from being full strength, Virgil van Dijk. That's if Matip is playing. But obviously, if Matip then doesn't do it, doesn't get there, then you've got two players, you know, massive players in a, in a key position where, you know, as Lynch, you said, United, we all know how United are going to play. In the same way that we practically all know Liverpool are going to play, and I think that's going to be the uh, the interesting thing is whether Liverpool decide to do something a little bit different, whether it's not in terms of the actual formation, but just the way that they you know, look to play. And key to that could be you know Thiago. You know he's you know he will be making his his Anfield debut, which assuming he plays, which was pretty remarkable when you think about it, given the fact that he he was first linked with Liverpool, I think, in about 1987. So you know it's taken a long time for him to actually. To actually get to be playing at Anfield, and we've seen you know glimpses of him in, in the away games. We've done this before. We you know the likes of Chelsea, Everton, uh, Villa, but he'll be a problem for United in that they'll have not really dealt with it before. They won't have come up against a player like him before. I, if I had to check that he's never played against United, so it will be interesting for them. I'd be surprised if he's come up against many of the of the midfielders as well. So that's where I think the key will be because then 
it depends on did he play Henderson centre back? Play Henderson centre back. If Thiago's playing and he's got one album there, I think he might be tempted to do that. But then, you know, who's quicker, Williams or Reese Williams or Henderson? Who's got the better position and who's going to be better at clearing at the set pieces? Because United will be looking to to strike with them as well. You know, they got to get Harry Maguire and people like that. So it is a difficult one for Jurgen Klopp. But ultimately, if, if Joe Matic's fit, it does not make a massive difference with the way that Liverpool play, not only defensively, but in midfield and as a result going forward. I mean, if he's fit... That would be a that would be a as big a problem for United as it would be a boost for Liverpool. Yeah, a very slim chance then of, of Matic being fit. Naby Keita, Ghosty, we know for sure will not be fit. That's been the case, you know, fairly frequently for him this season. But does it almost make it a little bit more difficult if, as Ian says, Henderson and Fabinho have to play at centre back? Because then the knock-on effect of that in midfield once again become a little bit of a problem for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, well, that was the biggest problem at Southampton for me. I think Henderson and Fabinho didn't really do anything too wrong that you wouldn't expect a, a traditional centre-back to have done on the day. It was just a case of the impact it had on midfield when you're playing Thiago, who was making his second start, was it? Um, and then, yeah, Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's making his first. He, he's barely played. And then Gini Wijnaldum, who probably played too much. So that midfield was completely disjointed and Liverpool never really got going that day, uh, especially after going a goal down so early on so it's just it's just a knock-on effect it has isn't it and um it, it does become a bit of worry i think Liverpool will be saying we're recording this friday afternoon and liverpool will be training a little bit later on and, and if we don't see any pictures of joel matt up there then he's almost certain to miss out because we know the clock likes players to train two full sessions at the team and, and there'll be another session tomorrow before the game but um it's looking increasingly likely as Doley says that matt won't be involved so then you think does he go with Henderson, which, as we say, has a knock-on effect with the midfield? Does he go with uh, Matt Phillips, who's more of a traditional centre-back? Um, you know, he likes to uh, head balls away and, and keep it simple and clear the ball. Or does he go with the pace and, and mobility of, of uh, Reese Williams, who's played probably less than, well, certainly less than 10 games and probably around about five games or so? So these are the big decisions that the Klopp's got to wrestle with and, and he's probably got to get right, hasn't he? Because Liverpool um, just cannot kind of... Just, I mean, if United go six points clear, although it's not a kind of fatal blow to the title hopes, that's that's a massive kind of boost for them, isn't it? And and also to Manchester City as well. So um, big decisions as they always are for for Jurgen Klopp in in midfield and and in central defence. Yeah, we'll all have our say a little bit later on on what we think Jurgen Klopp should or might do on Sunday. But another thing that he was inevitably asked about, Lynchy, was penalty kicks. Obviously, that is a topic which comes hand in hand with Manchester United this season, certainly in the eyes of many people. And what did you sort of make of Jurgen Klopp's comments on those? Because he, he didn't seem to want to, to give much away on that. Yeah, I can, I can understand why he didn't want to get drawn on that because we know what the headlines will be. And, he, you know, he's... He's scared of giving that easy headline away to people like us who will uh, twirl in for what he what he says and, and write We've it up. Done it anyway. We've done it anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no there's no way he can avoid it really. You too, uh, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's um, you know I think it's it is a, a worthy talking point, isn't it? Because you know you look at Manchester United, the amount of penalties we've got this season, it's it's an interesting one. I, I don't quite buy into the conspiracy theories around it all, but I do think it's you know. It's maybe a stylistic thing, and, and, and it is just an interesting point. They, they, they obviously 
enter the box in a way frequently enough to to win penalties and, and you know it's the, the way they go about the game it's very maybe different to Liverpool I think I think one of the things that I suspect is that Liverpool's main focus is maybe on getting uh, Salah or Mane one-on-one with the keeper and, and playing the through ball and putting them in that situation rather than having them on the ball dribbling at a, a fullback for example and, and trying to draw the foul I think that's possibly the reason but either way I think if there's if there's a penalty awarded to either side in this game on Sunday, it's gonna be an absolute explosion on social media, which will be absolutely fascinating. Um, I just I just think the only the only thing you hope surrounding the penalty uh, thing is is that if there is a penalty given, that it's not a particularly controversial one or one where you think VAR might have got involved and doesn't, or the other way around. It's yeah, I, just, I I don't really need that to be part of the match narrative, to be honest, just because I don't have to read about it. It's a nightmare. Yeah, Paul Tierney, the, the man in the middle, and I think Stuart Atwell on VAR. I wouldn't fancy being in either of those positions, to be honest, for this one. But Ian, I think the, the interesting thing for me in terms of the penalties and, and Jurgen Klopp's comments, he used the phrase, I'm not Sir Alex. He seemed to be saying that he didn't want to get drawn into mind games, but mm. almost by saying that, he was, by sort of the very definition, getting drawn into those mind games. Well, I think it was more what Mark Lattenberg said, wasn't it? The uh, the former referee and uh, and uh, and massive hair implant uh, person. So, uh, <laughs> well, he is, isn't he? He is. He is. Anyway, you know that. Uh, you, you, you go do research. Believe me. Believe me. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, can we just say before we go any further that I'm quite enjoying Lynch's filing system behind him. It's very good. Very neat. Yeah. yeah thank big, you. Big fan of it. Right. Back to the penalties. Uh, yes, I think the thing with, with Mark Clattenberg's comments is that he was saying that because Jurgen Klopp mentioned it two weeks ahead of the United game, he was somehow trying to influence the referees for the United game, whereas he wasn't. Klopp had, no, he admitted, for somebody who doesn't who says he doesn't read anything, Klopp said that he spotted this statistic. And I think we can more or less now say that he, he, if he doesn't read it, then he certainly gets past it to have a read. Um he mentioned the statistic about the about the uh, penalties, and he was doing it in reference to the fact that Liverpool should have really had at least one against Southampton, possibly two. But the fact that Liverpool were playing United another, what was it, 10 days later or something like that, I don't think that came into his thinking. And that's why he was saying it wasn't mind games looking ahead to that particular game. So I think he's right with that. With the other stuff, it's interesting, is it, as Lynchy said, you know, United, you know, Marcus Rashford come out and admitted it, didn't he, this morning, or last night, I should say, were... He said that under Jose Mourinho, we won't get any pens. So he said, well, why don't you just try and you know, be a bit more savvy about it? And, you know, it's not the first time this has come up with Klopp. Not in the sense that it was re- reference to Manchester United, but it was Liverpool not getting that many penalties under his under his tenure. And you, you, you look back and there was one season where I think the season where they got to the Champions League final where they had more penalties in the Champions League. So I think the first season, more penalties in the Champions League than they got in, in any domestic cup. Oh, sorry, in a domestic competition, which is ridiculous when you think of how many games they play. So I don't know whether for some Liverpool players that the reputation goes before them. You look at Salah and I think it's a bit harsh. It was interesting that, that Jurgen Klopp mentioned Sadio Mane and made a point of saying that he's still not a diver because as far as I'm concerned, he, he's never been one or even suggested that he is one. But one or two people have been kind of indicating that because of one or two things that's happened. I mean, he could have gone down for that one at Newcastle, couldn't he, where the keeper basically tried to hug it. As he was trying to put it into the goal, which, to be fair, at the time, didn't notice it. You know, you didn't see it at the time. It was only when you saw it afterwards and you're thinking, hang on a minute. But then isn't that what VAR's for? And I think, again, we come back to VAR and we're, you know, they've kind of done this switch, haven't they, where they're not taking as long to look at things. Yet, 
you, you look at the what was it United game against Burnley the other night. I mean, I didn't watch it. I know Lynchy saw it, but you know, United had the possible red card for Luke Shaw, and I'm not quite sure how he got away with that one. But you know, they had a look at that. So, I mean, the point with the penalties is, I I wasn't particularly that surprised to see United had won that many. I think there's a few of them weren't penalties, but the way that they play, they play to try and win penalties. As Lynchy said, I don't think Liverpool particularly try and do that. But if there's a penalty given in the game on Sunday, I'll think, great, something for me to write about. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Just uh, before we move on from penalties, Ghosty, just your sort of verdict on that. And I suppose the, the Liverpool, as Jurgen Klopp was was asked, do they have to, to change their approach in any way in both boxes, I suppose? Do they have to be more careful because they're coming up against Manchester United? And, and could they do a little bit more to win them at the other end? Or is that maybe just being a little bit unfair? I think so. I think particularly in the case of, of Anthony Martial, I think he, more than anyone, tends to need no second invitation to go over. There was one recently when, I can't remember the game, but he, he tried to sneak in in between two challenges and, and both of them kind of stepped back and he, and he went down and nothing got given. He should have been booked. Um, he, he seems to be the repeat offender. But yeah, Liverpool, I mean, my, my biggest problem with this Liverpool team for quite a while actually was the kind of lack of um, of edge and, and almost 11 choir boys on the pitch. I always go back to the 2018 Champions League final when um, Sadio Mane gets booked for a foul on Sergio Ramos and he's got a big smile on his face helping him up. Um, that for me is just little things like that are, were kind of symptomatic of of, um, of of a nice Liverpool team who didn't really, you know, you know, threaten to do much but didn't win a lot. Um, so for me, I, I would like to see a, a little bit more of a, of a streetwise edge, if you like, and um, we've seen it one or two times with players like Salah. I think he won a penalty against was it West Ham. Um, wasn't exactly a nailed on one, but it's one that you 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 do give these days, and one that Andy Robertson found to his cost against Brighton. So um, look, if if um, if other teams are doing it, then why not try and be a little bit more streetwise, as we say, and and um, if you feel a contact, um, and the, the, you know you, you you can kind of see that the. the it's not a, a shot on goal or anything, then then why not? Because um, uh, as we've seen with Manchester United, they do tend to be given. We should get our former colleague James Pierce to pop down there because he, if he is the king of actually you know feeling for any contact and going down with a big yelp. And if he's listening to this, he'll know exactly what I'm on about. Yeah. <laughs> Something to watch out for on the pitch, if not in the press box at Anfield. On oh, in the press box? No, he'll be doing it in the press box. <laughs> 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 Lindsay, we'll move on to, to something slightly more positive and slightly more interesting to talk about, I think, than penalties, and that is Thiago Alcantara. It will be, if he starts, his first start, his first appearance at Anfield for Liverpool, which is quite remarkable, really, when he signed in the summer. But is this the, the sort of game that he can really show us what he can do and, and can really take control of, do you think? Yeah, well, we were talking earlier, weren't we, about the, the thing that, that United are probably going to sit in deep and try and frustrate in, in the way that the you know past few sides that Liverpool have faced have done and, and succeeded in. So this is exactly the sort of game that you maybe you, you, you were thinking that Thiago would have the biggest influence on in terms of moving the ball and switching the play, dragging defenders out of position. Not necessarily the guy who gets the assist, but the pass before the assist, you know, opens things up. He sees things that other players don't see. So it's a really good test of sort of where he's up to in his fitness and, and how he's sort of fitting into this this Liverpool side because you know we haven't seen a lot of him. He hasn't had a lot of training time because of that injury. So yeah, really looking forward to seeing how he gets on in this challenge because you know the, the brief cameos we've seen and, and obviously at that start against Southampton, 
he's performed really well. He's been impressive, um, you know, really exciting. So it's, yeah, this is a big game and he's a big game player. You'll we'll, we'll want to really stamp his mark and get his Liverpool career underway. So it's a really good opportunity for him and um, just really excited to see how he gets on as well. He's up against that United midfield that sort of has seemed to be taking shape in recent weeks. You've seen him in against the sort of lesser teams and the, the bigger teams as well, the, the bigger games, you think of, of the Everton game where he was mm. fantastic. I mean, which way do you think it, it should go with him? Do you think it is a case of him being perfectly suited to, to this type of game? Is it the bigger games where Liverpool will see the best of Thiago? Well, he's, he's won the Champions League, hasn't he? He's played in these big games. So for him to be playing against Manchester United, as I said before, he's never played them against them. But it's just for him, it's just another game. He's used to this kind of... You know, it's 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 ready made for him, especially with you know, as Lynch. He said United's midfield; they've kind of got to grips with things a little bit in recent weeks. It's interesting because the game last season where Liverpool won two 0 I thought Fred had a very good second half, and I do wonder whether or not he might be end up being this kind of key player who may be tasked not to not to mark Thiago because I think they'd be slightly different positions, but he'll be you know integral in kind of stopping the passes getting through there. I think, but. Otherwise, if United just leave Thiago, he could do whatever he wants with them. He could just do the passes. And, and as you know, as Lynchy said, they've had these nine days in between the two games. That'll be the longest time they've had to kind of work on combinations or how best to get, you know, that, that Thiago can work alongside his fellow midfielders, but also how best to release the front three or combine with them. So it will be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we're all talking like he's going to be playing, but the fact is he will be, won't he? He'll be starting. It'd be, it'd be insane for, for Liverpool not to do that. But, uh, yeah, we these big games, you know, I've been covering these for about 57,000 years and it's always the midfield that's the key. We've, we've spoken about the centre-backs. We'll just talk about the forwards at some point, I'm sure. You know, but it's always the midfield that's the key. And if you win that particular battle, whether it be, in this case, Liverpool getting the pass and going to release the front three and also while making sure that there's enough protection for the United, uh, for the uh, for the back four from United's counter-attacks, then Liverpool could just take control of the game and do what they want. But you know, as I said, with the performance of Fred last season, that underlines that if you've got a midfielder who's on form, he can make a difference. And ultimately, I think it will be Thiago. If Liverpool are going to win, if he has a good game, he'll be integral to it. We know all about him on the ball, Gorsty, but is this a game where, particularly with someone like Bruno Fernandes that we mentioned earlier, is this a game where we could see the other side of, of Thiago's game as well in a, a more defensive sense as well as with the ball at his feet? Quite possibly, yeah. But but as you mentioned there, we're fully expecting Liverpool to once again dominate possession, aren't we? And United to stick to a bit of a counter-attack game plan. So you'd expect Liverpool and, by virtue, Thiago to have more of the ball and and I think um, I think when Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp are going through the kind of fine details of this game, I think the plan will be to just um, ensure that um, the ball isn't isn't fed through to Bruno Fernandes in in dangerous areas. That always seems to be his stock answer when he's asked about specific players in, in press conferences. I know we said that a few times about Jamie Vardy that the best way to counter his threats is to just keep the ball away from him and ensure that the passing lanes are cut off and so on. So that will probably be a, a similar similar game plan and, and if Thiago gets gets his foot on the ball and, and he's able to pick a few passes then the United could be in trouble so uh, I'm just looking forward to, to seeing him really kick on now you know it's, as, you, as you mentioned here with it being his first start at Anfield it's incredible it's four months since he signed and, and we're actually still waiting for that to happen we obviously know he's had the injury delay off from the derby and the last three games have been away and just circumstances have, have kind of worked against them but hopefully uh, is. Anfield debut is a memorable one and um, 
these are these are the kind of fixtures why he's chosen to come to Liverpool. Let, let, let's face it, he's looking for a fresh challenge after six or seven years with Bayern Munich, just signed off by winning the Champions League. He's a, a um, an elite player and probably for me one of the arguably the biggest, most high profile Liverpool transfer of the Premier League era. So uh, let's get him on the pitch and and see what he can do in, in the biggest games. Yeah, he won't be bothered about getting stuck in, will he? I mean, we've seen him that he's quite good at winning headers in, in midfield, which I think has surprised a lot of people, given the fact he's, you know, we've mentioned this before, he's about five foot six or something like that. So it's not going to bother him in the slightest. I just think it, as Gorsi said, it'll just be interesting to see him actually on the pitch at Anfield, playing for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful to, to see that. I think we, we know pretty certain, David, that we're going to see Thiago. We're going to see Liverpool's front three as well, Salah, Mane and Firmino. But how do you think Zerd and Shakiri could come into this match? Do you think there's any chance that he could start the game? And, and if he doesn't, do you think there's a possible roll off the bench for him? Yeah, I think I think Klopp will maybe sort of err on the side of caution and maybe think think of him off the bench just because uh, I don't know. If, I, I don't really want to say he doesn't trust him, but I don't think he's you know shown in the past that he's particularly open to the idea of throwing him into these big games. Um, I think when he has made an impact and sort of impressed in, in recent weeks, it's, it has been off the bench. So I think he's given himself that option uh, late in the game if it is tight. And obviously we've seen him come on and, and win a game against United at Anfield himself uh, previously. So, yeah, he's, he's something different, isn't he? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure you'd want him subbed in for any of them front three, but he, he is different to any of them in terms of he's a bit more of an attacking midfielder than an, an out-and-out winger or a, a straight-up finisher. Um, and he, you know, he gets in between the lines, doesn't he? Make things difficult. So if if someone like Fred's playing and, and playing well, um, it gives him another thing to think about. Is someone running off into those spaces either side of him and, and causing havoc? And he's got a great way to pass, a great shot on him as well. So yeah, I think I think he's one way you maybe think of him off the bench, but he could have an impact on this. We've seen it before, and you know, it's it's good to have him back and, and informed because. Uh, you know, his Liverpool career has been quite frustrating, hasn't it? Really, he's been beset by injuries for so much of it. But he's a quality player when he gets on the pitch, and I don't think he's ever going to nail himself down the starting spot at Liverpool. You know, it's probably one of those you might even expect to to move on in the next window. But you know, he's still got time to to make a big impact on this season and and make sure Liverpool is still in the hunt for trophies. Could be a, an interesting few months, I think, for Shakiri, as you say, looking ahead to that summer transfer window. But let's get into our team selectors, Denny, and I'll come to you first. I think we can all agree that Allison will be in goal, Robertson and Trent will be the fullbacks. But what's the interesting sort of situation for you at centre back? Who do you think Jurgen Klopp might favour? So we're not saying Kelleher, no. I, I did think about Adrian, but I changed my mind. Adrian has disappeared at the face of the earth, hasn't he? What's happened to him? Anyway. Um... Because he wasn't even there at Aston Villa, was he? He was. He wasn't a, the third sub. It was uh, the Brazilian guy's name is Pitaluga. Pitaluga, yeah, he was there. So anyway, anyway, yeah, I think Allison might start. Um, centre backs. Ooh, well, one of them will be Fabinho. Matip if he's fit. I think Nat Phillips plays against Burnley. Definitely. Um, so it's between Williams and Henderson, and I'd be. You know what? I'd be mad to play Henderson there. I'm going to play Henderson there, and I know you miss you miss the midfield, but we'll come to the midfield, and then I'll be able to explain that Henderson. Yeah, I'm with you actually. I think it will be Jordan Henderson in there. I think the midfield then becomes a little bit more interesting as well. But Gorsi, I'll come to you next on your two centre backs. Presuming you agree, of course, on the the full backs as well. Yeah, it's um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's, 
agree with Doyley wholeheartedly in terms of Nat Phillips starting against Burnley on Thursday. Um, mm. But then I, I just think I just think moving Henderson out of that midfield area just has too much of a knock-on effect. So I'd be minded to go with Reese Williams and just think that Liverpool's midfield is going to be too good for United and they're going to see too much of the ball for United hopefully to be, to be a, a threat for a significant period where they can kind of expose Williams in, in maybe a one-on-one situation that we've seen um, against uh, Sheffield United. But no, not Sheffield, at West Brom. Um, so Carl and Grant towards the end. If Liverpool can kind of protect Reese Williams, then I'd put him in alongside Fabinho. And David, where do you sort of stand on this one? I think it, it's probably a straight choice, isn't it, between Williams and, and Henderson? I suppose you, you probably wouldn't want to go for Nat Phillips in this one. No, it, absolutely. I, I think it is, it is Williams or Henderson. And I, I'm going to agree with Doyle while sort of disagreeing with him because I think, obviously, you touched on this earlier. You said that basically that midfield is absolutely massive in these games and, and I agree with that. So I, I disagree with your selection in that I think that maybe Reese Williams should start to allow Jordan Henderson to, to be in, in the midfield. I think, obviously, we're worried about if you do put one of the young lads in, they're not quite as quick as a Joel Matip, for example. And obviously, Joel Matip is fit by some miracle, then he, he does start, obviously. But um, I think, basically, if you, you centre-halves, the, the pace, they've got the recovery pace. If you were putting anyone in a position where Marcus Rashford is running in the opposite direction in behind them, You've got no chance anyway. So the 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 key for me is is stopping those balls coming from the midfield and locking down that area and absolutely dominating that area, keeping possession safely and and sort of moving the ball around and not allowing United to to get the ball in an area in the centre of the park. Look up for Rashford going in behind or Martial um, because that's once you get into that position, you, you're done for anyway, regardless of who you've got as centre half. So. I think the key for me would be would be maybe putting Reese Williams in there and then protecting him by by closing the ball down constantly, making sure that United don't get a second to to play that pass in behind. Yeah, I think that could be important, couldn't it? Not just keeping possession, but making sure they press and and make sure that United can't play through them and, and expose those players. So, with that in mind, Oni, talk us through your midfield. Well, um, obviously, if Matip's fit, he's playing. So, therefore, Henderson goes in midfield. But I'm assuming, obviously, he's not going to be fit. So, Henderson's centre-back. Now, you could... If you wanted to get Shakiri and you could play 4-2-3-1, that would throw United for about 10 minutes. And then they'd, they'd <laughs> get their way around it. It was basically the same as what happened at City, wasn't it? When Liverpool went basically at 4-2-4 and then threw City for about 15 minutes, scored. And then, you know, City got their heads around it. So, But I don't think they'll do that. I think well, you put, I think it'd be Juan Alden and Thiago. I also think the third one will be Milner. I think Milner's got a part to play in this one. Um, I was tempted to put Jones in, but it wouldn't really seem fair, would it? I I don't think. I think he could be somebody who could be an impact player a bit later on in the game if they need him along with Shakiri. So I'm going to go with uh, Milner, Thiago, and the Witch. Yeah, again, I'm I'm absolutely with you with that. I think James Milner in these sorts of games is. Perfect for that. Gorsty, who are you going to go for in the centre of the pitch? Well, since I've got Rhys Williams at centre-back, I'm going with Henderson and Wijnaldum, who are the, the Ironmen, aren't they? They seem to play pretty much every game. And then uh, Thiago. Uh, I, I, I was thinking about Shaqiri and, and doing what Doley says with a, with a 4-2-3-1 or, or a 4-2-4, however you want to look at it. But um, I just think Thiago is is just as creative um, in a different way to Shaqiri. He's not kind of... Um, he, he's not going to rack up 10 to, to 12 assists each season, but it's kind of the pass before the pass, if you like. And, and I just think having him in that midfield will just keep Liverpool 
on the front foot and um, you know he, he can pick whatever pass he wants to that front three. Any chance for, for Curtis Jones, David? I mean, he's obviously played well in, in big games before for Liverpool. He's played a, a lot of matches this season. Do you think he could start? I think he'd absolutely love to and I don't think he'd be uh, scared of the challenge but um, I, I think for this one, I think I think Jürgen Klopp's sort of mind's made up by, by who's available and, and if he does go for Reese Williams, like I suggested, I think I'd go with the, the same midfield as Gorsi there is yeah, Henderson, Wijnaldum and, and Thiago which, which looks very strong, a really balanced combination. I think if you do get Henderson and Wijnaldum in those sort of double eight positions and, and Thiago is the deeper, the deeper midfielder taking the ball off the centre-halves, then uh, that gives you a lot of options in terms of progressing the ball up the pitch. And also, you know, having Henderson there on the maybe the right-hand side of those two eights, giving Trent the, the licence to, to bomb on and hopefully sort of refine his form. So I think he's struggled a little bit lately. That 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 could be a, you know, a massive part for Liverpool in, in the game because... You know, they, they do need those deliveries from out wide. I think that's been lacking from Trent a little bit recently. So hopefully we can get that right-hand side combination going again and, uh, and that can pay dividends for them. Did you just say double eight? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, it's just tactical chat. <laughs> Sorry, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in front of those... Call some wing halves. <laughs> the best ever the best ever Brendan Rogers shout was somebody was a was a eleven and a half. So we were like, hang on, is, that, is he like he's on the way to the bench or something? Yeah. That's where I would play, yeah. <laughs> and with all anyway. those midfields in, in line, then I suppose that just leaves the front three, which I suppose we will all be in agreement with those Salah, Mane and Firmino. So that being the hang, case... hang on, hang on, hang on. No, hang on. Okay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, but on a serious point, on a serious point though, um, who could you put bring in? Minamino did Shaqiri? okay against did okay against Palace, but then wasn't particularly great against Villa. Um, Shakiri, he's not a starter, is he? As, as Lynchy said, I don't think he's, he's certainly not in that front three. And Origi, he's kind of, I mean, it would be surprised if we didn't see him, you know, play very much again this season. I think, but. Uh, I don't know, it's a tough one. It's got to be those two. And the interesting thing for all of us chatting about, if, if Matip was fit, we'd all pick exactly the same team, wouldn't we? And I think United know that. And I think Liverpool can kind of guess United's team. So this, you know, they both spent all of this entire, you know, preparation period. So I won't know what they think the other team's going to get, uh, pick. So I wonder whether somebody, whether it's Solskjaer, whether it's Klopp, just throws something out there that's just like, hang on, nobody saw that one coming. And maybe that could make a bit of a difference. If you, were, if, if you were going to do that, though, there's not, as you say, that many options, is there? I mean, apart from a 4-2-3-1, I mean, what other sort of out there things do you think that, that Klopp could do? It could, well, I suppose he could play three at the back. I don't know. Could play wing-backs. But he's never. He's only done that once, hasn't he? Or was it against Brighton? So I think by United, while they're not the greatest team in the world, I think they might be better than Brighton were. Bring him on in the second half if they're one nil down, just get him a third towards the cop. All the banners will all the banners will be intimidatory to the referee, the way that they fluffed in the breeze. But, but actually that's a serious point though. With there being no fans, that's gonna work in United's favour, isn't it? Because you know, you ask any United uh, I mean I I did an interview which you'll see on the Echo website on Saturday night with uh, not just me, it was a round table interview with Gary Neville and, and Jamie Carragher and that was brought up and Neville was like, yeah, I mean, whenever we went to Anfield, we knew it was the toughest game we'd ever have. That's no secret. It's the same for any, any Manchester United player. So for them to go to Anfield and there'd be, 
you know, the, the two main obstacles for them are one, the team, and the other one, the fans. For one of the main obstacles to not be there, it's a massive bonus for them. And I think Liverpool, at times this season, perhaps away from home, they find it hard to motivate themselves. I mean, look at the Villa game, 7-2. That would never have happened if there'd been people in the stadium. I think they've got over that now. And I think, to be fair, United had that problem as well when they, when they lost to Tottenham on the same day. I think the teams have kind of got over that, but they are missing that kind of extra bonus. And there's the fact that Liverpool in the last three home games did have fans, even if it was just 2,000. It's going to be weird for the players going out there. And while, you know, there were, you know, as Gorsi will agree, but there was two, there was the Wolves game, wasn't it? The first time when they went out, it was just 2,000. It sounded like it was about yeah. twenty or 30,000. And it was, you could tell it just lifted the whole team and, and then in a certain way, actually lifted Wolves as well because they felt like they were in an actual game. And so, while it will affect both sides, I think United will be the main beneficiaries of there being nobody there. Yeah, certainly it's going to be a, a strange one. And with that in mind, I suppose it's really quite difficult to, to make our match predictions, but we will do that. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. I think a, a draw probably for both sides is not the worst result in the world. And if we got to 70 minutes, all level. Certainly Solskjaer would take that. I would imagine probably Jurgen Klopp would as well. But Doily, I'll come to you first, then Gorsi and then Lynch. I mean, how do you think this game is going to pan out? I think the arguments over the celebrations and whether players can hug, we saw this on Thursday night, I think will stifle the players. They will be scared. There will be no goals. But then in the last minute, uh, Manchester United will get a penalty from VAR, which they will then miss. And the rebound will come out and Sadio Mane will run clean through and get taken out. And referee will give a penalty and then VAR will give a free kick to Manchester United for a foul under here. There you go. Because I can't get any more precise than that. Nil-nil is the short answer for that. <laughs> a very exciting nil-nil. Quite last, last minute. Last minute is very exciting. Lynch, well, yeah. he's, he's always like this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute, yeah. I may be like this, but I'm the only one who said that Man United had a chance of winning the league back months ago. So I was right about that. It's going to be. I, I disagree with you there, Matt. I think Liverpool um, have to win this game because um, Manchester United, although you might not think that the genuine challenges at the moment after 17 games, certainly Doyle does, but um, they are there because of what they've done in those games. And Liverpool can't be relying on other teams to take points off them. So Liverpool have got to show up and, and know that they're a better team, a better bunch of players. Um, and, and win because they're at home and, and the onus is on them. So um, a draw is a, a hugely disappointing result for Liverpool. They've got to go and win. And I think they will. 2-1. Yeah, it, it is an interesting one. All I meant in that was that it's still tight. And I think <laughs> at some point, Manchester United will have their drop. But they'll have injuries. They'll have something that goes against them. I don't think it's quite happened just yet for them so far this season. But Lynchy, just finally then before we finish, your verdict on the game and a score prediction. Yeah, it's probably not as, going to be as exact as Doyle's, to be honest. Um, but I think, uh, no, I think, I think, I just cannot imagine that Liverpool's sort of poor run of form can continue any longer. I think they're going to be absolutely bang up for this. They want to make a point. It's Anfield where they don't lose. Um, I think it's going to be tight. It's going to be difficult. But I think I expect Liverpool to win. I think maybe an early goal and then a late goal, sort of similar to last time. Maybe another two two nil win for Liverpool. Yeah, certainly. I'm sure Liverpool fans would take that. I think that just about brings us to the end of today's podcast. We'll be back with the next Blood Red show on Monday, looking back at one of the biggest games of Liverpool season and hopefully a Liverpool win too. For now, though, from myself, Matt Addison, from Ian Doyle, Paul Gorst and David Lynch. Until next time here on the Blood Red channel, thank you for watching and listening and goodbye for now. 
You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.